Sermon 10 of the Sermons upon the Epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians by John Calvin, translated by Arthur Golding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. We also walked with the disobedient, doing the pleasures of the flesh and of the thoughts, and were by nature the children of wrath, as others are. But God, who is rich in mercy through his great love whereby he loved us, even at the time when we were dead by sin, quickened us together with Christ, by whose grace you be saved, and raised us up with him, and made us sit with him in heavenly places, in Jesus Christ. I began this morning to show you how St. Paul meant to stretch out God's goodness unto all men, to the intent that none should have cause to boast of himself, as though he had any worthiness alone by himself. And truly, if ever there were any nation in the world advanced above others, it was the Jews." For so much as God had accepted them for his own household, and called them a holy lineage and his own inheritance. In that respect, therefore, the Jews seemed well worthy to have preeminence above others. Howbeit, to the end that none should darken the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, he saith, that ever they also were the children of wrath, so as it stood them on hand to lie drawn out of the dungeon of confusion, whereof I spake this morning. To be short, St. Paul showeth here that even those whom men would deem to be the excellentest can bring nothing whereof to brag or to purchase themselves estimation before God, but are all received to grace to be made heirs of the heavenly life by means of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here might a question be demanded why St. Paul setteth the heathen men on even ground with the Jews, seeing that God had set such odds betwixt them. For it might seem that all the promises were disannulled, and that were a doing of wrong unto God, rather than unto men. If we grant, as of necessity and reason we needs must, that God's choosing of Abraham's offspring was not in vain, and that his telling of them, that he accepted them to be of his household and church, was not to deceive them, they must needs be nearer and more familiar unto God, and they must needs have some mark whereby to be gathered unto him. It seemeth then that St. Paul should not have abased the Jews after that sort, but in another place he showeth that all this gear agrees full well, if we consider the Jews on the one side in the state of God's chosen and peculiar people, and on the other side what they be of themselves, and what they have deserved before God. For in the epistle to the Romans, after St. Paul hath given sentence upon the whole world, showing that there is not any one which is not damned and forlorn, he moveth this question, Seeing then that God gathered Abraham's lineage and dedicated it wholly to himself, what shall become of them? Shall there be no holiness in them? For it seemeth else that God had but dallied, and that his sayings in the Holy Scriptures, that he had not dealt so with any other nation, was nothing worth. But St. Paul saith that of a truth men ought to commend the grace that God vouchsafed to show forth upon his people, and so consequently that they are to be preferred before all the whole world, so far forth as they be endued with the benefits which they had by God's promises. Howbeit he addeth forthwith that inasmuch as they be descended of Adam's race, and are sinners as well as all other men, and there is nothing in our whole nature but corruption and frowardness, all men must be fain to stoop, and all of us must needs acknowledge that one of us cannot be shoaled out from another, according as we have seen heretofore in the second chapter to the Galatians, where St. Paul told St. Peter thus, Yea, we be Jews by nature, and it seemeth that we ought to go alone by ourselves, seeing that God is our King, and hath sanctified us, and vouchsafeth to dwell among us. Well, then, it seemeth at the first blush that we should shake of the Gentiles as unclean persons, 
and such as have none acquaintance with God. But let us come to account, saith he, as there is none of us all, but he is endangered unto God, and must needs perceive himself to be a wretched sinner. Since it is so, God must be the judge of all men, and we must needs sink before his majesty, till we be reconciled unto him by our Lord Jesus Christ. To be short, St. Paul's meaning in this text is not to deface God's grace, but to show that the Jews had not any other means in themselves whereby to obtain the salvation and heritage of heaven, than only by being members of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that they must always be fain to take themselves first for cursed and damned. For the worthiness which they have is but as a windfall, and they be born in sin, and subject to cursedness, no less than all other men, and God's accepting and choosing of them to himself is a special, and, as they say, a supernatural gift. Ye see, then, that by nature the Jews are forlorn as well as the rest of the whole world, and yet, nevertheless, that God hath also received them to mercy. By the way, we must mark that under the word nature, St. Paul showeth, not only that we be sinners by custom, so as every of us thrusteth his fellow out of the way, and we be too much inclined to follow the evil rather than the good, but also that there is a further matter in it, which is that every of us bringeth sin with him even from his birth. To eat and to drink are things that accompany us, but yet is sin more rooted in us than all the things that belong to this life. Truly, the heathen men will think it strange that the young babes, which are not able to discern between good and evil, nor have any discretion or will, should already be sinners and damned before God, according to St. Paul's saying, who calleth them the children of wrath. But yet we must needs yield ourselves to condemnation, whether we will or no. As soon as babes be able to make any sign, it is certain that they will show enough and too much, that they be froward and naughty, and that there is a secret poison lurking in them, and that although they cast it not out at the first, yet they be as a brood of serpents. Since it is so, let us understand that St. Paul doth not without cause call us the children of wrath as well as the Jews, not excepting the very infants out of the number, whom men term innocents, and take them so to be. For we must not regard our own opinion, nor the things that we see before our eyes, but we must give glory unto God, who is the competent judge thereof, although we find it incomprehensible. Howsoever the world go, we must always come back to that which is said in the one and fiftieth psalm, namely that we not only offend God daily in diverse manners, but also are loathsome to him beforehand, yea, even before we have either done or thought anything, because we were begotten in sin and cursedness. And by that word, children of wrath, St. Paul meaneth that we be the heirs of death, and that God must needs be our enemy, yea, even as soon as we be conceived. Yet is not God cruel, neither hateth he the things that are of his own making. That is true if we had such pureness in us, as was in our forefather Adam, according to this saying, that all things which God made were good. God then should hate his own workmanship in us. But we must conclude that since he hateth us, and is, as it were, armed to take vengeance on us all, we have well deserved it. And that although sin cannot be pointed out with the finger, as you would say, yet doth God know it well enough, and we must hold our mouths shut at it. That is, in effect, the thing that we have to gather upon this text in applying it to St. Paul's meaning. For if the Jews, which seem to have or ought to have some peculiar prerogative, are nevertheless included under the general state of men, 
what can we allege which are born Gentiles, if we presume to bring any bravery before God? So then, we have well wherewith to be confounded double, seeing that they in comparison of whom we be nothing, have notwithstanding no entrance into the kingdom of God, but by his only free mercy, and by being reconciled by means of our Lord Jesus Christ. But there is yet one question or doubt more, for how should the Jews be God's enemies, seeing he has avowed himself already to be their father? Some man will say that the seeing of the things that were figured and the truth and substance of them remained as yet to be accomplished. But we have to mark yet further that although God had adopted the Jews in Abraham, yet they were received in Jesus Christ, and that that grace was grounded upon them according to this saying, In thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. And we have seen in the epistle to the Galatians that the said seed must be referred to our Lord Jesus Christ, for without him there is no unity but utter scattering asunder. Since it is so, it is not to be marveled that the receiving of the Jews into the church, as well as the receiving of the Gentiles, is fathered here by St. Paul upon the only free bestowed goodness of God. Howbeit, there is yet a second point which is not to be forgotten, which is that although the Jews had obtained such grace, yet they abode in suspense till the coming of the Redeemer. And for that cause we shall see in another place that those which were near and those that were far off were reconciled by him. For we know that there is no atonement to be made with God without shedding of blood. Now the sacrifices of the law could not put away sin nor pacify God's wrath and cursing. When men offered the blood of an ox or of a calf or of a lamb, it was not to make atonement with God. There was no such power in the brute beasts. For the thing that is corruptible attaineth not to the soul. Therefore it is to be concluded that the Jews were God's children by hope, and yet that they were utterly separated from him till the atonement was made in the person of the Redeemer. And by that means did God show himself favorable towards them, as he did towards the rest of the world. And for that cause also doth St. Paul add that God being rich in mercy hath quickened them, as he did the Gentiles, even according to his great love wherewith he loved them. The chief point, as I told you this morning, that St. Paul handleth, is that we should learn to be ashamed, yea, and to loathe our own wretchedness by resorting to our original, and by considering in what plight God findeth us, and out of what a dungeon we pass when God reacheth us his hand. And the second is that we should magnify his goodness so much the more, because it is an incredible thing that he should vouchsafe to cause the doctrine of life to come down to the bottom of hell to quicken us for we were sunk down thither. Therefore we must mark well these words where it is said that God being rich in mercy quickened us when we were dead, according to the great love which he beareth us. True it is that this title might always agree with God, because he neither abateth nor increaseth, and so shall God be ever more rich in goodness. But we must therewithal mark the circumstance of the place and the matter that St. Paul treateth of here which is that God hath uttered the inestimable treasures of his mercy upon us, according to the greatness of our miseries. And for that cause also he addeth the great love wherewith he loved us. For needs must there have been such a goodness in God, as is able to ravish us, seeing it surmounteth all our capacity, and that we be not able to taste the hundredth part of it, though we give ourselves never so much unto it. And why? For when St. Paul saith that God loved us, he speaketh expressly of himself, and of such like, which had been chosen from among that people, when as the greater part of them was cut off. 
For although the Jews were the firstborn, and had preeminence above us, as by right of inheritance, and that we be but as silly things born out of season, as St. Paul speaketh of himself, yet notwithstanding we see that they be now banished from God's kingdom, and are become as a precedent that ought to make the hair stand up upon our heads, when we behold the wrath and vengeance of God that is uttered upon them. Therefore, whereas St. Paul and some small number more were chosen from among the Jews, it was through God's love which had the greater appearance towards them. Likewise, nowadays, if the gospel were preached purely through the whole world, and faith given indifferently to all men, so as there were none, but he should be touched immediately with the Holy Ghost, and all of us were alike, it would seem to be as the course of nature. And like as meat and drink are common to all men, so it would seem that we had this of our own natural motion, and that it were not a special grace of God. But when we see so many countries hunger-starved, so as there reigneth not one drop of good doctrine upon them, but rather the wretched people are fed with lies and trumperies of Satan, and that on the other side God enlighteneth us here, and watereth us with his word, whereof cometh that but of the great love, whereof St. Paul speaketh here. Again, many men have their ears beaten with the gospel, and yet it is apparent to men's eyes that they become hard-hearted by it and wax worse and worse. For it is certain that a man shall not see so horrible monsters in the papacy as where the gospel is preached and professed, for they will say they be reformed, and yet they seem to be devils incarnate. And we need not to go far to see such sights. So then let us mark here that we must not surmise that any of us hath aught wherewith to please God, more than his fellows, nor presume to make any account of ourselves, but that we must always repair to the fountain that cannot be drained dry, and not to go to the pits that are full of holes and can hold no water, or rather which have nothing but mud and filth in them, for all the gloriousness and bravery of men is no better, but draw of the said love of our God, and confess that God must not be persuaded or moved by other folks, but only that it pleased him to love us freely by receiving us unto him, and by enlightening us with his Holy Spirit in the faith of the gospel. And so ye see what St. Paul meant to note here. Now on the other side, to the end that men, who are always subtle-witted in seeking some shifts and starting-holes or other, should not excuse themselves by being under the tyranny of the devil, nor allege that the same ought not to be laid to their charge, St. Paul showeth that the said bondage ceaseth not to be willful. I showed you this morning that notwithstanding all our free choice, and notwithstanding our reason and will, yet we be, as it were, fettered to Satan's service, so as we can do nothing but all naughtiness. Neither should we be any better by nature than the arrantest thieves in the world." if God had not pitied us, accordingly as St. Paul setteth forth all other men unto us as a looking-glass, yea, and even such as despise God and all order, and are driven by Satan into all outrage, saying that we should be like them, if God had not been merciful to us. But now there are many which grudge against God, and which go to law with him, saying, If free will be so defaced, what shall become of us? If men were able to give themselves unto goodness, and yet notwithstanding made none account of it, but gave themselves to evil, surely it were good right and reason that they should be held for guilty. But if they cannot but do evil, why should God condemn them? At leastwise they ought to be born withal, seeing it is apparent that they be held under Satan's dominion, and even from their mother's womb. 
Lo, what many men allege, in hope to wash their hands. Yea, and they be not contented to justify themselves by vain shifts, but they do also rail against God, as though he were the cause of their damnation. But St. Paul, to prevent such slanders, saith that they which are under the bondage of Satan and of sin cease not for all that to be condemned by good right. For they be not constrained thereunto by force, they be subject indeed, but that is with their own good will. And that is the cause why he saith that even such as are brought back again to our Lord Jesus Christ have walked in the lusts of the flesh, that is to say, that before God had changed them and brought them to his obedience by his Holy Spirit, they walked in their own wicked lusts. True it is that men will grant their nature to be sinful, but yet they say it sufficeth that they will be otherwise. All men will grant that it is the will which putteth the difference between vice and virtue. But when the philosophers spake after that fashion, they were of opinion that we have a frank and free will. And that is the thing that deceived them, because they knew not that we were marred by the fall of Adam, and yet notwithstanding cease not to be justly accursed, for so much as our offending of God is with our own good will. And therefore also he addeth again, doing the desires of our flesh and of our thoughts, as if he should say that they which are possessed of Satan and held under the slavery of sin cannot allege any compulsion. For why? It is their own will that driveth them thereunto. Thus ye see in effect how St. Paul meant to stop the mouths of all misspeakers to the intent that men should not pick any quarrels to God by pretending that they ought not to be shent for their naughtiness, seeing they be subject to it by nature. But let us mark herewithal how St. Paul hath matched thoughts with the flesh, to the end we might know that sin reacheth throughout us, and that we have no peace of us clean and pure, wherein too infection is not spread. For the papists will well enough confess that we be corrupted in Adam, but they say that we do indeed tend always unto evil, when we be tempted unto it, and yet nevertheless that if we hearken unto reason and bridle our lusts by ruling them well, then we shall see plainly that we be not altogether unable to do good. And so the opinion of the papists is that man's free will is not of such force as it was at the beginning, but that it is wounded Yea, and sorely maimed, howbeit that it hath yet still some life, that is to say, some virtuousness, as they imagine. But we have seen this morning that the determinate sentence of the Holy Ghost is more general, that is to wit, that we be not only sick but also dead, till we be raised again by Jesus Christ. Now St. Paul confirmeth the same thing, saying that our wicked lusts, and the affections that are termed the sensual appetites, wherein we resemble the brute beasts, are not the only things that harry us here and there, but that we must take the matter more strictly. What are all our thoughts, all our determinations, and all that ever is deemed to be best in man? They be, saith St. Paul, stark wickedness, for if God should let us go after our own thoughts, it is certain that there is not a more horrible confusion than that would be. So then, we see that men are not humbled here by halves to confess only their frailty, and that they have partly need to be succoured and helped at God's hand, but we see that they be utterly damned before him, since their thoughts are here called wicked and froward, and that they have nothing in them which provoketh not God's vengeance against them. So then, let us on the one side yield ourselves guilty, 
assuring ourselves that we were justly bereft of all God's graces in the person of Adam. And again, on the other side, let us not take the same for an excuse in hope to escape by such shift, as who would say, we were not the bondslaves of sin, nor we ourselves any wit to blame for it, because we be held down in Satan's snares and nets, even from our birth. But it behoveth us to consider always that every of us shall find the wellspring of his disease in his own conscience. Men may hold plea as much as they list, but if they enter into themselves and ask their own consciences, ye shall see them condemned and confounded without any nay. When a man hath babbled what he can, so as he thinks he hath won the goal, by saying that he hath no free will of his own, nor ability to resist God, there needeth no more but this one word, What thinkest thou to be the thing that provoketh thee to evil? Ho, oh, it is the devil. Thou sayest well, but yet mark a little whether that doth so fully excuse thee, as that thou perceivest not right well, that thou wert stirred up and driven to it by thine own self-moving, Knowest thou not that the wellspring and root of the mischief is in thyself? When thou art so rebellious against God, that thy thoughts are full of untruth and unbelief, and that so much the more because thy lusts are out of square, and embattled against God and his righteousness, even to make war with him. When thou seest all this, must thou yet hold plea further with him? So then let us not seek any starting holes, seeing we carry a sufficient judge with us, even within us, namely seeing that every of our own consciences rebuketh us. That is the thing that St. Paul aimed at in this strain. And thereby we also are warned not to presume aught at all on ourselves, but to bridle all our senses and imaginations, and all the understanding and reason which we wean ourselves to have. For until we have so renounced ourselves, it is certain that we shall never be meet to apply ourselves to the serving of God. And St. Paul saith expressly that those whom God hath quickened are by that means made fellows with our Lord Jesus Christ, for it is even he in whom they have their life. True it is that we ought to seek it in God's being, howbeit forasmuch as that is too high for us, so as we cannot come at it, no, nor anything near it, therefore our Lord Jesus is called the way, and he offereth himself and tarrieth not till we seek him, as though he were far from us, but reacheth out his arms to allure us to him, insomuch that in his gospel he saith, If any man be a thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And this is fulfilled in his person, as hath been said erewhiles. So then let this speech be marked, where St. Paul saith, that those which were dead afore were quickened again by Jesus Christ. And here we see yet better the thing that I touched shortly this morning, which is that St. Paul speaketh not of a visible death, whereof men may judge by outward sight, but of the corruption that is in our souls. For he findeth fault with us all. How then may we attain to the heavenly life? How shall we be raised and quickened again to possess the heritage that is promised us? We see on the contrary part how we be subject to as many miseries as can be. This, therefore, must needs be meant of the newness of life which he speaketh of in other places. Now it is certain that this life is not yet perfect in us. There is but a little entrance of it, which serveth to lead us further, and to bring us to the end, which shall be, when we become to the full glory that he speaketh of here. And we see also how St. Paul, setting himself forth for an example, alleges that he had given over all things for our Lord Jesus Christ's sake, yea, and even the fond opinion which he had of his own righteousness, insomuch that although men esteemed him as a little angel, yet notwithstanding he knew that it behoved him to be saved by God's free grace in Jesus Christ. And instead of all his honour and riches, he had suffered so many reproaches 
so many tortures, so many beatings, and so many imprisonings, that a man would have said, He had been lifted up above the world, and yet notwithstanding, he addeth, Not that I am yet come to my mark, but I strain myself forward, and forget the time that is past. For if I stay upon the things I have done already, saying, I have overcome so many encounters, I have dealt thus valiantly, I have not ceased to preach the gospel everywhere, I have wrought in such wise that the fruit of my doctrine is come to the whole world, I have passed the sea, I have been among barbarous nations, where God and his gospel were never erst heard of, I have had a number of lets, and have overcome them all, I have encountered with thus many enemies, and have got the upper hand of them all. If St. Paul say, I had had all these considerations with him, he had become cold, for it is an easy matter with us to shrink away, when we once think with ourselves thus, I have done enough for my part, now let others march on in their array. And so every of us would take his leave, when he had something or other, I know not what. But St. Paul saith that he forget the time past, to the intent to cut off occasion of slothfulness, which might come in his head, and saith that he straineth himself forward, and holdeth his arms open to attain unto it. And how long time did St. Paul strain himself forward? Even to the end. Then let us mark well that our glory shall never be perfect. That is to say, we shall never thoroughly enjoy the glory that we wait for until the end. And therefore it behoveth us always to take warning of our own wretchedness, to mourn for it before God, and to confess that we be beholden to his only goodness for all things. Now then, howsoever we fare, we see that we be reformed unto newness of life by God's Spirit, and that although we dwell among unbelievers, and be subject to many miseries, yea, and have sin dwelling in us, yet there is none of us, but he feeleth that the handsels which God hath given us of his Holy Spirit are not vain nor unprofitable. For if any man allege that before such time as Jesus Christ work in us we have already some life, as is seen, answer was made shortly this morning, that forasmuch as all that ever man have by nature is not able to bring them unto God, but maketh them to rest upon this world, none of it ought to be made account of when the heavenly life cometh in question. Then let men clap their hands at us on all sides, yet are we but dead men, when God layeth the bridle loose in our necks, and suffereth us to walk after our own fancy and liking. Man may well have some reason, but what can it do so long as it is in the own nature? It will fight against God and against all truth. Yet, notwithstanding, man, they say, hath a will, howbeit that the same will be wicked. True it is, as I have said already, that it hath no strength in it. Yet, notwithstanding, forasmuch as man is wicked and froward, and hath the cursed root of rebellion in himself, so as he cannot but do evil, he offendeth God willingly. And seeing it is so, let us boldly conclude that we be in death, till we be made partners of the life of our Lord Jesus Christ and that he deal unto every of us the spirit which he hath received, in such measure as he listeth, according as it is said that God's spirit rested upon him, and was given unto him in all plenty, and that as now he must deal it to every of his faithful ones. Therefore, according as our Lord Jesus Christ maketh us to taste of his Holy Spirit, and according as he strengtheneth thereby, so are we quickened in him and with him. Now hereupon he addeth, that he hath made us to sit in the heavenly places with our Lord Jesus Christ. This serveth to magnify the grace that we have hitherto spoken of, yet so much the more. If he had said in one word that we were quickened, it had been enough, and it ought well to have inflamed our hearts to sing God's praises, and to occupy ourselves therein, and to apply all our endeavours thereunto. But here is a greater vehemency because of our coldness and laziness. For St. Paul hath showed on the one side that we were dead and held in bondage under the tyranny of Satan, 
Alas, these are terrible things. And now he setteth down on the other side that God hath not only loved us, but also glorified us in him, and that we be lifted up from the bottom of hell, aloft unto the kingdom of heaven, where he hath lodged us, and given us seats among his angels. Seeing then that we hear this, needs must we be to be much doted, and our wits too much brutish, if we make not in good earnest to glorify the inestimable goodness of our God, and to conclude that we be so beholden and bound unto him, that although we should do nothing else all our life long, but preach the grace that we have felt by experience at his hand, yet it were nothing at all. And so you see why St. Paul hath purposely set down that we be lifted up to heaven with Jesus Christ. And hereupon we have a very profitable exhortation to gather, which is that although we be here in the mire, and do but crawl like poor frogs, yet ought we to bear this state patiently, for so much as on the other side God hath lifted us up so high, even that we were nothing, yea, and cursed creatures too. And therefore, whensoever we be fain to suffer hunger and thirst in this world, or be mocked by unbelievers, or put to the abiding of many outrages, let us resort to that which is said here, namely that yet, nevertheless, we be set already in heaven with Jesus Christ, albeit not in such wise that is apparent unto our eyes, for in this behalf we must give place to hope, and unto that which is said in another text, namely that our life is hid, and that we must hold ourselves quiet till it appear at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thus then you see in effect how it behoveth us to understand the things that are spoken here of the diverse state of God's children after they be called to the faith of the gospel. But by the way, we must not imagine an earthly paradise in this world, where we shall have neither trouble nor grief. We must make our reckoning, that we shall never live here at our ease, but we must make our reckoning, that we shall never live here at our ease, but we must make room for faith, as I said afore. And besides this, whereas the Holy Ghost announceth by the mouth of St. Paul, that we shall be lifted up on high, it standeth us on hand to cast down our heads, and to suffer ourselves to be oppressed by our enemies, and to be overmastered by them with all pride. We, I say, must suffer these things, and yet, in the meanwhile, be fully persuaded and thoroughly resolved of this doctrine, that we, for all that, shall not fail to inherit the kingdom of heaven. For it is impossible that the head should be separated from the members, and our Lord Jesus Christ is not gone thither for his own sake alone. We must always repair to that principle. Our confessing that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and gone up into heaven is not alone to glorify him in his own person. True it is that first of all it must come to pass that all knees must bow before him, and that every creature both in heaven and earth, yea, and even in hell, must do him homage. But yet notwithstanding, the union whereof we have treated heretofore is fulfilled in this, that Jesus Christ, having gathered us into his body, hath begun that thing in himself which he intendeth to perform in us, namely, when convenient time cometh. So then Jesus Christ is gone up into heaven to open us the gate in these days, which was shut against us by Adam's sin, and that is the very manner of our sitting with him already. And therewithal St. Paul showeth in one word what he intended, Indeed, this saying shall be declared more at length in his due place, where St. Paul himself will treat of it more at large in the next sermon. Yet notwithstanding, we may see whereat he aimed, to the end we may have a sure and right mark to shoot at, which is, that we be saved by grace, and that no man is able to claim anything of his own. Nevertheless, it is not enough for us to have confessed in one word that our salvation cometh of God's free favour, and to have felt it also within ourselves, but we must also therewithal be taken in love with the infinite greatness of the same grace by considering 
what we be, how all evil cometh of ourselves, and that there is no saying nay, because our faults do too much convict us, insomuch that if God should execute a hundred times more rigour against us than he doth, we could not contend with him, nor dispute with him, but that we should always have this record of our own consciences, that we be justly worthy of death, and that the same is due unto us by our desert. Then, seeing it is so, let us hold fast this doctrine, for we shall have profited greatly for our own life, if we know once that there is not only some one naughty touch, but an infinite number of evils in us. Therefore let us learn to mislike of ourselves, and to hate and abhor ourselves, and afterwards, when we become to the grace that is showed us in our Lord Jesus Christ, let us understand that without that the devil should needs have full and whole possession of us, and reign over us as he had done afore. Also let us beware that we profit ourselves by such grace, so as it may serve to put away all our curseness. And then let us assure ourselves that not only all our miseries shall turn to our benefit by our Lord Jesus Christ, but also that he will give us such strength as we may well glory in our state, and although we be driven to fight against many temptations, and that we be frail in our own behalf, yet nevertheless we shall overcome them in such wise as we shall have cause to yield God thanks by our Lord Jesus Christ, insomuch as being joined unto him we cannot fail to come to the full perfection of all good things. Now let us cast ourselves down before the majesty of our good God, with acknowledgement of our faults, praying him to make us so to feel them, as to make us not only to confess three or four of them, but also to go up even to our birth, and to acknowledge that there is nothing but sin in us, and that there is no way for us to be reconciled to our God, but by the blood, death, and passion of our Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, as oft as we feel any heart-bitings to turn us aside from the grace of God, to cite us to his judgment seat, let us have none other refuge than to the sacrifice whereby our Lord Jesus Christ hath made atonement between us and God. And whensoever we be weak, let us desire him to remedy it by his Holy Spirit, which is the means that he hath ordained to make us partakers of all his gracious gifts by, and let us so continue in the same as we may be an example unto others, and labour to draw them with us to the faith and unity of the doctrine, and by our life and good conversation show that we have not gone to school in vain, in so good a school as the school of the Son of God, that it may please him to grant this grace, not only to us, but also to all people, etc. End of Sermon 10